podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco Boys. Boom, the boys are back, and it is time for another episode. I know, I know things were a little weird this week. Um, no episode on Wednesday. Back to you guys on Friday. And it's not a Q&A like, like I originally said I was going to. I believe what we're going to do instead is uh, I will record on Tuesday, next Tuesday, Q&A episode. Use hashtag at Bo- or ask Bosco. Tweet at ask underscore Bosco to get your questions in. I will send out the tweet for questions on Sunday. Um, and we'll have a Monday, Wednesday, maybe a Monday, Wednesday, Friday for you guys next week. Um, but I really wanted to talk about the uh, K-State men's game uh, versus Baylor. Uh, you know, it wasn't a Vegas upset. You know, K-State ended up closing... Uh, one and a half point favorites, but uh, taking down a top 10 team in Bramlage Coliseum. I want to talk about the atmosphere, what it does to K State in uh, their resume looking forward. Uh, and, and does that completely make up for that Texas Tech game uh, on Saturday? Um, so I'll talk through that. I, I will talk about the positives. Uh, I'll talk about the negatives, and, and then we'll start looking at that Oklahoma State game on Saturday. That shouldn't be much of an issue, but uh, it's the Big 12. Anything can happen. I'll also touch on uh, the K-State women's cancellation uh, with TCU. I'll give you guys my thoughts on TCU uh, forfeiting the game um, and uh, a little bit of the matchup with KU on Saturday. Again, I'm not going to pretend... Uh, to be the most in-depth X's and O's guy, but I'm going to be there. I'm going to be taking in the doubleheader, the women at 1 p.m., the men at 6 p.m. You know I'm going to go to Manhattan Brewing Company in between games, so if you see me, please feel free to come up and say hi. Um, But but it should be a good episode. Um, I'll I'll just get out in front of it right now. Uh, Not a ton of football news. It sounds like, uh, in, in a surprise move, it sounds like the whispers are that Cody Stuffelbean is going to come back um, to the football team next year. That was one of those uh, guys I had just kind of heard and assumed he wasn't. Uh, the whispers uh, you know, around circles are that he is going to be coming back. Uh, I, I think that changes um, the equation, really, on how you're going to be looking to fill the final few spots in the portal. Um, I, I think that gives you flexibility to see uh, Malcolm Malcolm Alcorn Crowder. Um, I, I need to make sure I, I can get that down. Uh, and Javon Banks both playing inside as well as outside. So it gives you a little bit more pro, uh, positional flexibility uh, behind Uso, behind uh, Damian Alalio. Uh, so I, I think that kind of solves things there. Uh, we, we've been saying it for a couple weeks now. It sure sounds like Dante Cephas, uh, Cephas is going to be 
uh, a K-State Wildcat again. Massive couple years at Kent State. Uh, was at Penn State last year, coming coming back to reunite with Coach Middleton. Uh, you got to think he'll be amongst the stars at wide receiver. Uh, so really, we're just kind of in a holding period when it comes to K-State uh, recruiting and portal recruiting. Um, once someone better than me or once he shows up on the roster, or once we get a little bit more confirmation, I, I will bring on uh, someone who, who knows a lot more about uh, you know Cephas and, and, and what he might be able to do for K-State. We'll have a uh, you know, a kind of winter football episode at some point, uh, hopefully in January, early February, where we can get some of this stuff 100% confirmed for you guys. Uh, so outside of that, not a lot of crazy stuff around football. Uh, shout out to Chris Kleiman's son, Devin. He's been a GA with K-State. He's moving on to be the safeties coach at North Dakota State. So there's a couple GA spots. There's a couple analyst spots that they might be looking to fill. Um, but but again, relative uh, quiet uh, n- you know news, quiet times around K State football. Before we jump into Jerome Tang's latest win over a top ten team, you heard me mention them already. Manhattan Brewing Company is the place to be. First and foremost, they always have so many fun events going on at Manhattan Brewing Company. Uh, I, I, I tell you what, I get FOMO whenever I, I feel like every time I log on to Twitter, they're announcing a fun event, uh, 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 you know, something going on. With you. you got the science and brew, uh, you know, events that they have going on. Uh, that was uh, yesterday on Tuesday or on Wednesday, excuse me, as I'm recording this on the 18th. But they always have so much fun stuff going on. Something that is coming around the corner. So it's a week from today as I am recording it uh, on January 25th. They are having their third annual Don't Fear the Dark event. It is a night dedicated to dark and barrel-aged beers. They're going to have some hot cocktails for you as well and some punch. But, folks, they have only be available on this day. They're going to have small batch stuff. They're going to have special reserve stuff. And they're still going to have their normal cocktails and and, and beers and and all that type of company. 5 p.m. on Friday the 25th. So I I guess it's a a week from when you guys are here. So be sure to check out Manhattan Brewing Company uh, and all their great events. And, of course, uh, you, you know the drill. Before every game or in between a doubleheader, uh, go in there, grab a couple pints, grab a, grab a couple crowlers, grab a couple four-packs, and enjoy the best brewery in the state of Kansas. All right, let's talk about that uh, men's basketball game. Overtime win over number 9, Baylor. Uh, first and foremost, I, I was lucky enough to be able to get in there uh, right before tip-off coming in from Shawnee, and boy, I'm glad I did. First, uh, shout-out, I guess, <laughs> to, to the event staff for, for clearing the parking lot uh, as well as I could. Still didn't stop me from slipping and falling and looking like an idiot, but hey, it is what it is. Uh, it, it was a super fun atmosphere um, I, I feel like I need to talk to someone or I need to apply for the job. Um, whoever, whoever's deciding when to play, uh, you know, every time we touch or uh, sandstorm, uh, you should, I mean, I'm not going to try to fire anyone, but 
it uh it, it wasn't great I, I i yeah i i don't think you should ever play sandstorm before you know the eight minute mark and we had it what at 11 38 fun atmosphere a great atmosphere uh, i'm very pumped and very grateful i was able to get into the arena for the game i i truly do think um that that Bramlage Coliseum is back to that point where uh, once you get to conference play, and again, I I, I understand um, some of the criticism that might come uh, to the old people. Um, I understand it's at times some of the criticism going towards the students. Um, I don't. I wouldn't do it. Look, I I, I wouldn't do it. I, I watch a lot of college basketball. I enjoy college basketball. Um, I think in the non-con games versus trash teams, uh, Bramlage Coliseum fills the arena far better than 90% of arenas in college basketball. So while, while I understand, uh, you know, at to- the, the times that Jerome Tang takes shots at the crowd, uh, I, I disagree with him choosing to do it, uh, you know, Seeing the empty seats, hey, you know, it, it kind of is what it is. That's what college sports are. That's what college basketball is. Um, you're not going to get 10,000, 11,000 folks in the arena when you're playing Arkansas Pine Bluff. You're just not. But last or on Tuesday now, uh, I was pleasantly surprised. It's negative seven outside. Uh, you know, the students, it was supposed to be their first day back. Uh, in class, it wasn't, um, you know, people like myself having to gun it to, to leave their jobs, to leave Wichita, to leave Kansas City by 4.30, 4.45, uh, to be able to make it by tip-off. I think the dedication and buy-in from K-State fans um, as a direct result of Jerome Tang, uh, you know, getting the buy-in, getting the results was so evident on Tuesday night, and uh, I, I was pumped. I, I feel like I feel like it's okay to say the Octagon of Doom is truly back. And, and I, I, I think Jerome Tang's correct in saying that uh, the crowd played a massive part in getting that win. Um, I think you saw it when Baylor was shooting free throws. I think you saw it when K-State would make a mistake and the fans would urge them back on. I, I think it's a very intelligent uh, crowd as well. You're not going to hear booing at every call that goes against you. You're not going to see weird instances of getting loud in the wrong spot, being quiet in the wrong spot. Uh, I, I think the basketball IQ of K-State fans and knowing when the team needs a little bit of a boost, knowing, hey, you know, maybe the ref actually made a right call. I think it's there at K-State, and I truly do think it makes a difference. Now, is it a 15-point difference like Jerome Tank says in postgame sometimes? Probably not 15, um, but but I think the crowd played a major part in that game because if you want to talk macro, if you want to do the you know 52,000-foot view of, of the game, I don't, I don't even think that's a... I don't even think that's the phrase. I think it's maybe 10,000-foot view. But if you want to look down on the game, uh, and I even re- went back and rewatched it, and, and, and I was surprised uh, that K-State won the game when I rewatched it. You know, uh, th- there were times uh, last year where, uh, you know, compare it to the Texas game, the, the lone home loss last year, 
where you came away from that game thinking, man, K-State should have won that game. And even looking at the Texas Tech game, and and the more I digested that game, uh, it it really was just a super, super hot, you know, five minutes for K-State and and good defense uh, the entire game. Uh, But like a five-minute stretch where you got, you know, 33% of your points for the entire game and, you know, what... uh, I should, I mean, I should be better at math than this, you know. In in a twelve point five percent of the game, you get thirty three percent of your points, and you know a twelve percent clip in the game, and you played good defense. Um, but but you came away thinking, man, we should have won that game. I, even driving home after the game, and even rewatching, I kind of think to myself, you know. I mean, I think it was an even game. If K-State would have lost that game, I wouldn't have come away thinking, man, that was one that got away um, as much as saying, man, you know, that was a 50-50 and it just didn't go our way. Um, and, and I think that's something that needs to be applauded for this team. Um, throughout the game, Baylor would have, you know, a, a little bit uh, – you know, of an arm's length on K-State. K-State makes a couple runs to take a couple leads. Scott Drew calls timeouts. They battle back again. Throughout the entire game, macro-wise, it's like, man, K-State just couldn't get over that hump. And I think that's what makes, uh, you know, the the end of regulation and the end of overtime so special, so great for this team especially coming off of a collapse versus uh, Texas Tech because, what, you're down five points late in regulation and in overtime, and you still find a way to come out on top and, and hell, win the game by four points as well. Um, I think that says a lot about Coach Tang coaching this team up. I think it says a lot about the mental fortitude of this team. I don't think they're necessarily a smart team. I agree I agree with Mason Voth of KSO. Um, I think I think at times they are just flat out dumb, uh, but that doesn't mean that they don't have mental fortitude. Uh, you can be dumb and brave. Uh, you can be dumb and confident. And, and I think you know, for for better or worse, that's kind of where this team does uh, land on the metrics. If if we're talking about uh, you know brain power in, in college basketball. Uh, I, I just, I, I again, I, I'm blown away by them being able to get the stops late. And, and again, Baylor came into this being one of the best offensive teams uh, in the nation. You know, they were they were the best three point shooting team in the nation. They're one of the best offenses in the nation. K State held Baylor to 64 points in an overtime game. They held Baylor to 54 points in regulation. Now. I think we all understand and realize that the the K-State offense is in a little bit of trouble. Again, you only scored 54 points in regulation as well. You only scored 59 points versus Texas Tech. And again, Baylor and Texas Tech, they're good defensive teams as well. Um, But the defense has really shown me something versus teams that have really kind of shown a knack to, to get the ball in the bucket. So I think you start with the defense, you applaud them. Uh, being able to contest and get a hand in the face of Baylor as they're shooting threes. Again, like I said, coming into the game, 
They were the top three-point shooting team in the country. They shot under 18%. I would gamble a lot of money that Baylor doesn't have a lot of games this year uh, under 18% shooting from three. And heck, held them under 33% shooting uh, from the free throw or from uh, field goal as well. Uh, so I, I think everything starts with the defense. I, I think they did a great job contesting shots, not only at three, but at the rim. And, and that's where I, I start to talk about uh, Jarrell Colbert. He gives you 17 minutes, and I, I think he's really starting to show something, especially on uh, the defensive side. Yeah, he, he grabbed six points, and, and I think at least one of those was a pretty big-time momentum a dunk, and he only got credited with one block shot. Uh, and, and how many? I mean, heck, he only grabbed one rebound, but he was able to clear out the lane. He was able to alter the shots in, inside when Baylor was trying to go to the rim. And, and I really thought on defense, for the most part, he he put in a good shift. Now, uh, I, I, I again, I'm, I'm not going to pretend to know everything. Uh, Jerome Tang got on him one time. I think he, he kind of missed a, a defensive rotation. Uh, but all in all, I thought Jarrell Colbert really played good defense. And as frustrating uh, as I, I get at times with Tyler Perry, and we'll talk about him uh, before this episode's over, I think he is, is playing a lot better defense than I anticipated Um you know, in Big 12 play, because I think at times in the non-con, it was lacking a little bit. Um, so I, I I really think that in Cam Carter playing great, and honestly, they all played great defense. They all played great defense. Um, and, and I really think that if this team is going to exceed what we think their potential is, because I don't think anyone's talking about, you know, a five seed or anything like that. I, I'm still on... I, I, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling real good after that win. Uh, but I'm still in, in the boat of saying, all right, hey, let's just focus on making the tournament before we start talking about seeds. But if we're going to exceed that, if we're going to end up finishing like fourth in the Big 12 or, or, or really shock some teams, I think it's going to be because of this defense. And, and it's really encouraging to see. Uh now, you know, let's talk Arthur Kaluma, the four-point play to ice out the game. Arena just going wild. Um, you know, K-State social media doing a great job with that. I, I, I think Arthur Kaluma, I, 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 look, I, I hope he starts to, I, I hope he's starting to realize that he can be the guy for this team. So 12 points, 10 rebounds. Four of nine from the field, three of six from three. He's the guy who who, who has to be uh, the scorer to go along with Cam Carter. He needs to be shooting closer to that 14, 15 shots a game to get him in line with Cam Carter, to get him in line with Tyler Perry. Uh, I, I mean, because, you know, I'm... I think something's wrong with Tyler Perry, and I don't think it's I don't think it's going to snap back. I think we're going to have the occasional pop from him, uh, where he shows kind of like in in the UCF game in the in that uh, first half versus Texas Tech, uh, where he can show uh, that electric shooter that he is. But I think at the end of the day, um, I think he's you know that thirty three percent shooter. I, the the back of the basketball card doesn't lie. At this point in the season, I, I think, what, 17 games into the season, I think Tyler Perry is who he is. 
Um, so I, I think we need to see a more aggressive Arthur Coloma. I'm not saying play out of uh, out of control, but but we saw on Tuesday night when we needed buckets, he's able to do it from three. He's able to do it at the rim. And again, I, I would like to see him get more aggressive because I, I I think he is a more than serviceable free throw shooter. I think if anything, the big takeaway inside that locker room needs to be Arthur Kaluma needs to be more aggressive. We need to run more sets for Arthur Kaluma, and he really needs to be either you know option one or option two uh, for a lot of sets uh, moving forward for this team. Cam Carter, another big game from him. He probably feel a little unlucky. He fouls out early in overtime, 35 minutes. Now, uh, he, well, he ended up with seven turnovers. That's bad. <laughs> that is that is very bad. He ends up with seven turnovers, 18 points, 7 of 14 from the field, 2 of 5 uh, from, from 3. Um, and, and the best perimeter de- defender that, that we have, and he can guard 1 through 4. Um, Cam Carter had an, another game in which uh, folks who are longtime listeners of this, going back to last year and through this offseason, I didn't think Cam Carter had it in him. I did not think Cam Carter uh, could, could be a lead scorer, a lead guard on a uh, NCAA tournament team, and he is proving me wrong. He is going out there night in, night out, saying, hey, I'm going to give you at least 15 uh, and if I get hot, you know, 18, 20, 27 points, anything is on the uh, table for Cam Carter. And that's the type of guy that you need uh, to make sure we get to the NCAA tournament and maybe pull off an upset in the NCAA tournament. Or maybe go on a run and bring home some hardware in Kansas City here in March. Um, Cam Carter is that type of guy. And he proved it once again versus Baylor, versus a team of highly, highly talented uh, guards, you know, you, you have a handful of guys that, uh, you know, Jaden uh, Nunn, uh, Jacoby Walter, he, I mean, he, he might end up being an NCAA draft pick. Ray J. Dennis, one of the best players in the portal. Uh, he's guarding these guys in, in what? They go 0 of 4, 0 of 5, 1 of 6 from 3, 3 of 10, 3 of 11, 2 of 15 uh, from the field. And again, it, it isn't just Cam Carter because, uh, like I said earlier, Tyler Perry did a good job defending. I, I think Dorian Finister is, I, I mean, he's an average to average plus defender. You know, Arthur Kluma also a, a good defender. Um, so I, I, it's not just Cam Carter, but he really is the head of the snake when you want to talk about defense. And, and, and I believe he proved it again. Uh, versus Baylor. Uh, David Gasson, uh, only two points, uh, grabbed six rebounds, one steal, one assist, uh, 35 minutes, um, but he grabbed three offensive rebounds, You know, one of which being the, uh, the rebound off the Dorian Finister miss that set up the game-winning four-point play, uh, just hustling, making plays up and down, up and down the court. Again, uh, it cooled off on offense because uh, what you, you go back to his game log, and he was running that hot streak. He's cooling off a little bit. Uh, only the five points versus Texas Tech, and he had five points versus UCF. But again, 13, 12, 5, 17, 5, 2. You got to hope that versus Oklahoma State, he can find his scoring groove a little bit. But he was doing those hustle things, he was doing those little things. No one wants to talk about, uh, you know, the play hard chart or anything from that era. 
but he was a guy who, who would have scored super high on the play hard chart. Uh, Will McNair, I, I think he struggled a little bit early, had two turnovers early. Um, he ends up with four points. He, he grabs seven rebounds, uh, second in the team in rebounds. Um, he had a block shot. He, he had some big moments on defense uh, late in the game in regulation and in overtime. Uh, look, I would like to see Jarrell Colbert continue to improve. I would like to see Jarrell Colbert uh, to continue to push for more playing time. Uh, but, but I do think McNair um, is still a positive player. I, he, I mean, he's far exceeded anything that I expected from him this year. Um, you know, he, he, he's turning over the ball a little bit too much. Um, you know, I, I would like to see him be stronger with his hands. Uh, the last two games, we, we've really tried to make him a focal point early in the game, uh, w- which confuses me a little bit. Uh, but, but I'm not going to be too critical of it. Uh, I, I just think that uh, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I, 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 I just wouldn't do it. Um, but again, he, he made some big plays for you on defense. I'm not I'm not someone who's shouting for him to be benched and to start starting Colbert. I'd like to see Colbert continue to push him. Uh, but I think overall, especially in the second half, Will McNair uh, gave you what you wanted. R.J. Jones making an absolute massive three point shot. Uh, he played six minutes. They're still waiting for Day Day Ames to get up to uh, full strength. Um, so no Day Day. Uh, Buddy Rich, he played three minutes, didn't really do anything, no stat. Well, he grabbed a, he grabbed one rebound, also fouled. Uh, but it was good to see R.J. Jones hit a three in overtime. Uh, that, that was a massive shot. I mean, the kid has confidence, and he can be a shooter. So, again, I, I'm hoping he develops enough on defense and is reliable enough for him to get, you know, 8 to 12 minutes. Uh, down the stretch and, and, and kind of be that Ish Masood type of guy. Again, Ish uh, was longer, taller, uh, more capable of guarding different positions. Uh, but he was a guy who, you know, you, you pass it to him, you want to see him put up six threes a game, and you think he's going to hit two or three of them. I'm hoping RJ can be that guy, and he kind of develops into that throughout this season and, and, and hones in on his defensive skills uh, and, and making the right pass, being in the right spot on offense as well. I'm going to end talking about Tyler Perry before uh, I wrap up uh, this Baylor game and start thinking about uh, start thinking about Oklahoma State. Tyler Perry does a lot of things that that are good. He he did a lot of good things in this game that that I'm quite frankly very happy with. I thought he played great defense. Um, again, him and Cam Carter combining. Uh, to be two very good defenders. Any guy who is going up against uh, you know these two, any guards going up against K-State, they're going to have a rough night at the office, I believe. Um, he ended up with four steals. He had four assists. He only had two turnovers. Um, and, and, and I really do think he is finding his niche as a distributor. Um, he grabs seven rebounds. And, and again, this is... A, Again, people don't like talking about you know Bruce Weber, 
Um, and, and look, we didn't even rebound that great. We got out-rebounded by seven. We gave up far too many offensive rebounds. Gave up 23 offensive rebounds. But when they locked in, when we were able to get the rebounds, it's because the big guys were getting their ass on someone blocking out and, and allowing sometimes for the guards to come down and grab those uh, rebounds. When, when you see uh, Tyler Perry with seven, Arthur Kaluma with ten, Dorian Finister with five, um, that, that tells you that, hey, you know, uh, it, it was a product of the big guys boxing out and getting uh, get, let, letting uh, some of the smaller guys, some of the more finesse guys come down and grab those rebounds. Um, so, again, Tyler Perry does all that stuff. And, and you might be thinking, Scott, he ended up with 18 points. What, what are you trying to be critical of? Tied for the game high with Cam Carter, who you're just praising. More points than Arthur Kaluma, who you're saying, hey, he needs to shoot more. Tyler Perry was one of eight from three. He was two of six from two. This guy is a maniac getting to the free throw line, and uh, he, he got there 12 times. He was 11 of 12 from the free uh, from the free throw line. 11 of 12. And that's how, that's how he got a lot of his points. And, and look... That is a massive part of basketball. That's a massive part of Big 12 play, being able to get to the free throw line and then for him to hit those free throws. Ironically enough, the one he missed could have been the one to win in regulation. But hey, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hate on him for missing that one free throw. I, I there's never a scenario where I'm ever going to hate on someone for going eleven of twelve. Uh, from the free throw line. It doesn't matter if it goes to overtime. It doesn't matter if it's a one-point game. No, I'm not going to go at a guy for going 11-2 and two from the free throw line. But but I do think we're at the point where we need to be looking at Tyler Perry as a guy who um, he, he's not going to be an efficient scorer. He, he's not going to be a guy who uh, you can look at and pencil in and say, hey, he's going to shoot. 40% from the field this game and, you know, hit a bunch of shots. Um, and that's okay. It's disappointing. It, it throws a wrench into all of our preconceived notions on how this team is going to be successful. Uh, and and that, that doesn't mean the preconceived notions and, and the blueprint that we had for this team to, uh, you know, to, to, to excel how this team was going to be an NCAA tournament team just because the path to that, to that uh, isn't what we mapped out before the season doesn't mean that it is a failure by any means. Um, I like to see that, you know, Tyler Perry, I mean, he's not shying away from the, the question when he, he gets asked the questions. He's not really giving an answer. Um, but when he's asked about his shooting struggles, he's not trying to make excuses. He's saying, "Hey, I got to work on it. I uh, I understand what's going on." Uh, but you see Arthur Kaluma saying, "Hey, he, he's a great point guard. Look at the other stuff he's doing. Look at the way he's leading this team." Look, that is fine. If you if you're gonna tell me that Tyler Perry uh, isn't going to shoot worth a damn, and uh, but he's going to distribute the ball well. And have a two to one uh, assist to turnover ratio. If you're going to tell me he's going to grab a cu- uh, four steals, if you're going to tell me he's going to grab rebounds, play good defense, and he's going to get to the free throw line at a good clip, and he's going to hit those free throws, look, 
you 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 sign up for the missed shots, uh, and then occasionally you're going to have a game like he had versus UCF, and occasionally you're going to have a what 180 second stretch like he did versus Texas Tech, where he can go get you you know 12 points in in two minutes. Um, you, you sign up for that 110 percent because I I think this team can thrive even without Tyler Perry shooting you know 38 percent uh, from three, which would be a career low for him. Um, I mean, now he's like, what, is he 32, 33% uh, three-point shooter? Oh, (laughs) 31.8. He is 10 percentage points lower um, than he he was uh, during his time at North Texas. Wow. (laughs) Man. That I I mean look like I I just said it. I'm I'm not gonna act like that well, I did act like it but I shouldn't be acting like that right after I was saying hey you're gonna take what he can give you, um, but it is what it is I mean like I said I will sign up for it if he can keep getting to the free throw line at the clip he is and, and that's what he has to do again he didn't do it versus Texas Tech um there have been games where he struggled to get to the free throw line but if he's able to get to the free throw line if he's able to execute there if he's able to execute the other parts of the game tyler perry is still a net positive for this team and i'm very happy he is on this team before we talk about the oklahoma state game i'm currently wearing my new charlie hustle hoodie it's the first time the first time i've bought a hoodie from them and i i feel like i'm cheating uh, by saying this, but they might even be more comfortable than their crewnecks. I have the uh, Dribbling Willie uh, K-State hoodie, and it's so soft, and it is so comfortable, and I will be rocking it on Saturday for Lavender for the Legends game versus Oklahoma State. Um, it is so comfortable, guys. I And they dropped another K-State Lavender basketball hoodie. Look, I... I, I think K-State needs to embrace Lavender even more. My favorite K-State football shirt was their uh, Lavender shirt with the K-State football helmet on it with Wildcats across the chest. Rock that to a couple games early in the season. Look, Charlie Hustle is the best in the business. If you want the most comfortable, stylish, and just straight up best officially licensed K-State apparel there is, check out charliehustle.com. We'll have a giveaway in February. Um so yeah, I, I'm 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 not kidding, folks. It is so comfortable. They have other colleges too. Again, if you are a house divided, you have parents or siblings that like another school, you can get them a gift at Charlie Hustle. If you have a significant other that isn't a Wildcat, okay, fine, whatever. Uh, you know, soccer and, and baseball season is going to be here before you know it. They got the sporting club. Uh, collection. They got the Crown Town collection. If you cheer for the same professional sports teams as me, the Arrowhead collection. Uh, you know the the Kansas City football team. They are uh, rocking into the playoffs. Hopefully they uh, win up in Buffalo. It's gonna be cold up in Buffalo. I hope Andy Reid has a couple Charlie Hustle crew necks and uh, hoodies to keep them warm. Uh, but check them out. I, I promise you, your new favorite hoodie sweatshirt. Uh, t-shirt they got joggers kansas city heart collection whatever you could want i promise your new favorite shirt or sweatshirt or hoodie it's waiting for you go check them out go to charliehustle.com today okay looking at the oklahoma state game look oklahoma state is bad oklahoma state is bad now 
They had a lot of trouble getting into Ames, Iowa, and a lot of trouble getting to Lubbock uh, for their uh, two road games uh, to to start Big 12 play. Um, but look, they they lost by what 24 at home uh, to KU. They did take Baylor to overtime, but this is a team that was losses Southern Illinois. This is a team that uh, went down to the buzzer with Wofford. This is a team that lost to Abilene Christian. This is a team that lost to St. Bonaventure. Um, This is not a good team. This is not a good team. And K-State needs a good old-fashioned ass-kicking. I don't want it to be close. I don't want it to be nervy at all. I want K-State to come out hot. I want K-State to come out strong. And I want this to be a nice, easy game where we're all kicking back, cheering, and we're walking out of the, the out of Bramlage Coliseum after that buzzer sounds, and, and we're instantly thinking about, okay, what needs to happen on the road uh, in Ames, Iowa, midweek on Wednesday? Um, th- that is what I'm looking for from this team. This is what I need from this team. I, I just, I don't... I don't want to deal with a with a stressful game. Oklahoma State is not good enough to make this a stressful game. This is a game like the ESPN analytics say, hey, it should be an eighteen or eighty five point three percent chance K State wins this. Again, Oklahoma State doesn't have uh, the dynamic playmakers that should uh, be able to throw any sort of uh, wrench. I, and look, I, I just was kind of like, yeah, you know, I, I don't want to be feeding it inside. A bunch. Um, I, I think this is a game that that you can live inside. You know, I think McNair, Colbert, David Gasson, they can have a big game. They're not going to be able to stop any of our guards, and they don't really have any dynamic scores. You know, uh, Javon Small, he's averaging 14 points um, a game. He's good from the free throw line. Um, I mean, he's fine assisting the ball. Bryce Thompson, you know, he's 6'6", he's a senior, 13 points a game. Again, I, 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 don't, I, I don't really think he's going to be um, anything too crazy. I think Arthur Kaluma can guard him. I think Cam Carter can guard him. Um, you know, I, I'd like to see Tyler Perry really get on Javon Small. I know he's a little bit longer than him. Um, but I think this is a team where hopefully you keep them in the 50s. Hopefully, you know, you're scoring in the 70s. I, I, I want this to be a 75 to 56 type of game. Win this by 19 points. Um, nice, easy win. Um, and, and we all call it a day. I want to come on here. I want to record an episode on Sunday talking about, hey, look, you, you go on the road and beat Iowa State. All of a sudden, uh, you, you can start talking about what seed instead of worrying about just making the tournament. I mean, for for better or worse, we're in a four-way tie for first place uh, in the big... And again, uh, you know, looking at the schedule to wrap up uh, the, the month of January, you have Oklahoma State at home. You're on the road at Iowa State. You're on the road at Houston. And then you have Oklahoma, who is ranked. Um, I don't know if they'll still be ranked when they're coming into town. They have a tricky road game with Cincinnati. They have Texas at home, Texas Tech uh, at home as well. So you might be seeing a top 15, depending on how they do, maybe even a top 10 Oklahoma coming in uh, for a Tuesday night game to end the month. Uh, right around Kansas State, the final time Oklahoma's ever going to come to Bramlage as a conference team. Look, could you go three and one? Could you go three and one, 
to end the month to land what six and two in conference play going into February. I mean, look that that sound. I mean, look, it sounds a little crazy, but look, I I think it is on the table, and I'll, I'll have a little bit of that moxie. I'll have a little bit of that confidence if we just blow. Oklahoma State out on Saturday. So we'll have that conversation when the time comes. Um, so get in Bramlage. If you're going to be there, make sure you're wearing lavender. Um, shout out to uh, Charlie Hustle. I'll be in my K-State lavender hoodie. All right, uh, let's end the show talking about the K-State women's team. Look, uh, I, I wanted to, and part of the reason why I had everything structured was I, I was planning on talking about uh, K-State versus TCU and women's basketball. I actually knew of like, I think there was like a group of like 20, 25 all together that were going to go to this game and, and TCU forfeits the game. Now, uh, and they also forfeited versus Iowa State. So I'm, I, I think this is cowardice uh, from TCU. Um, all this talk about having six players um, it, it sounds like they had seven or eight scholarship players, but a couple of them were banged up. A couple of them were coming back from injury. Um, TCU 100% could have played these games. TCU should have played this games. You, you look back during the COVID season, uh, K-State was playing basketball games. The men were playing basketball games with seven total players. I, I, I am frustrated uh, with the integrity from TCU, I'm frustrated um, not only b- because it stops K-State from getting a game, um, but while it will show up as a win in the Big 12 standings, the NCAA will not recognize the forfeit. The NCAA will recognize that as a no contest, and uh, it's not going to help K-State in their tournament sheet when you talk about seeding for the NCAA tournament. But the reason why TCU did this, make no mistake about it, it has nothing to do with their hurt players. They were looking down the barrel of playing K-State with the most dominant center in America. Iowa State, who's having a, a much better season in women's basketball than anyone anticipated, also with a center who can score points, and they had two inexperienced post players. You know, they they had their experienced post players go down and they're rehabbing injuries. One of them's out for the season. And instead of just, you know, having integrity, instead of playing the game, they're like, nah, we forfeit. And that way they don't have to take two embarrassing losses as they kind of devolve into a... uh, women's basketball bubble team after they had a hot 14-0 and start. Make no mistake about this. It is not for the betterment of student-athletes. It has nothing to do with safety. It 100% has to do with TCU playing weird loophole, uh, loophole uh, eligibility rules with the Big 12 in forfeiting games so they can still try to cobble together an NCAA tournament bid. Um, I, I have no respect for TCU, the athletic department. I had very little remaining, uh, you know, even to this point. But it should all be gone. It should all be gone. Um, just cowardice stuff from TCU. Now, looking forward to uh, uh, Saturday, facing off with KU in Bramlage at 11 a.m., 
Look, KU can be a spicy team. Um, they pounded Baylor at home. They beat Oklahoma State at home. Um, they did get their ass kicked by Texas in Austin. Uh, but this is a team that has shown that, hey, uh, they can take down one of the, the best teams in the country. They have uh, shown that, hey, they, they have four double-digit scores and, and another one right at that cusp. They, despite having, like what, they're 9-8 and eight right now? Yeah, 9-8, and 2-4 and four in Big 12 play. Um, what they are able to do to Baylor uh, should keep K-State on edge. Now, I, I don't think that there should ever need to be extra motivation uh, to play KU in any sport, N- none at all. But with Iowa State losing to Texas Tech, K-State's alone at the top of the Big 12 um, at 6-0. Oklahoma, one loss. Then after that, Texas has two losses. Baylor has two losses. Again, if you take care of business, you are then going to Baylor on Monday with a chance to put them out of the race. If you then win in Waco... You are then putting yourself in the driver's seat two games in front of Texas, three games in front of Baylor, and then you have a shot to put uh, Oklahoma State out of or Oklahoma out of the race at the end of the month when you go down to uh, Norman and, and play them on uh, the 31st. You have a game with BYU mixed in there, BYU 1-5 in the Big 12. If you're able to... To do the clean sweep. If you are able to run the table to finish out the month of January. So that would put you at 10-0. You're eliminating Baylor from the race. You're eliminating Oklahoma uh, for all intents and purposes to uh, do anything except for maybe share the, share the title with you. And then you are going into February... To start that month on the road at Texas. You could be close to a coronation before Valentine's Day when you are uh, up in Ames, Iowa. You could be close to a coronation uh, for the Big 12 by that first matchup with Iowa State. Because you got two of them in in February. Uh, So folks, it is an absolutely massive, massive game on Saturday. I'm doing the doubleheader. Tickets are ten bucks uh, for GA, fifteen bucks uh, for chairbacks. So if you're gonna be in Manhattan for the men, at least consider it. I'm not gonna tell you what to do. At least consider getting up to Manhattan, checking out uh, Aoka Lee, Gabby Gregory, the Glenn Twins, of course Serena Sundell, and some of those great uh, Kansas freshmen uh, with sides and Walker as well. Giselle Sanchez from uh, Spain, sunny Spain. Uh, so it should be a good time. Uh, again, it, there is a lot of basketball to be played, but the K-State women are setting themselves up uh, very pretty, not only to bring home some new hardware, uh, but to also be hosting the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. Uh, that's all we have. Again, I'll be at both games and at Manhattan Brewing Company in between the two games. If you see me, always feel free to come up and say hi. I'm pumped for this game. Remember, Lavender for the Legends, especially if you got some Charlie Hustle Lavender gear. Make sure you're rocking it on Saturday inside Bramage Coliseum. 
so shout out to them. Shout out to Manhattan Brewing Company. Uh, that's all we have. Another great week. Uh, hard to believe we're halfway through, uh, more than halfway through the first month of 2024. It's flying by like crazy. Uh, we'll be back on Monday just like we have every single Monday for over 250 weeks. Uh, so, so I can't wait to talk with you guys again. So for Chauncey, the best dog in the world, my name is Scott McFarland. We truly love you guys. That is no joke. We love you uh, with all our hearts. Do something kind. Make somebody's day. This is a Friday. Make someone's day. That's my challenge to you. Make someone's day today on Friday, January 19th, uh, because everyone deserves a little bit of a smile in their day. So like I said, for Chauncey, my name is Scott McFarland. We love you guys and go Cats. It's time to get set for the cat attack. You can feel the excitement. You can feel it coming on. For Kansas State, the feeling's growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you want to be. With Kansas State, come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State, our pride is with the Podcast Network.